0: with your host, high-performance business coach, keynote speaker, and author, Scott Hansen. Showtime in three, two,
1: one. Hacker Nation, Scott Hansen here. Are you excited to be alive? Are you ready to take your business to entirely new heights? Because I hope you're ready to start living the life that you were meant to live and become the extraordinary person that you were meant to be. Our guest today is going to teach us ways on how to grow a thriving business, be positioned in national media outlets with our business, and share how she won Dragon's Den, Canada's version of the shark tank. Today, our featured guest is Claudia Harvey. Claudia, are you ready to rock? I am so ready
0: to rock, Scott. It is so nice to be here. Thank you so much.
1: Yes, you bet. Success Hackers is brought to you by Meat Advisors, empowering business through advice. Claudia Harvey is one of the few women to successfully strike a deal with the dragon with venture capitalist Kevin O'Leary from TV top-rated flagship business programs Dragon's Den and Shark Tank. Her company, DigIt Apparel, launched sales in 2009 and successfully pitched their unique product and business model to strike a deal and ultimately catapult the company to international success. She's also a sought-after international motivational speaker and business coach, sharing the stage with renowned individuals such as best-selling author Mark Victor Hansen of Chicken Soup for the Soul, Bill Walsh, America's business expert, David Chilton, the wealthy barber and real estate mogul George Ross, just to name a few. As a regular product expert on the Shopping Channel in Canada, Claudia is known for selling her line of branded lifestyle products including Dig It Handwear and I dig It. Claudia Harvey, welcome to Success Hackers. It is so great to have you.
0: Thank you Scott. It's absolutely my pleasure to be here today.
1: So Claudia, I gave Hacker Nation just a little background of who you are but would love for you to share with our audience a little bit more about you and your business. Well, sure.
0: Um, There's a number of facets to what I do in my business and where I've come from and where I'm going. People know me quite well is from Dig It, the company that I've co-founded with my business partner in 2008. And in 2009, when we were in infancy of our business, we went on Dragon's Den, which is the equivalent of Shark Tank in the United States. We Successfully struck a deal with Kevin O'Leary, who now sits on Shark Tank. Mm. So he's known internationally as um, as quite the character. Mister <laughs> <And>, uh, Wonderful. <laughs> Mister Wonderful, exactly. Uh, so we were, I think, one of a handful of companies to successfully strike a deal with Kevin O'Leary, and doing that catapulted our business from a very, very small business because we were just just starting out in sales mm. to having national exposure. And that exposure brought people to us instead of us trying to go to uh, sell our product um, and bang on doors ourselves. And that assisted us greatly. So now our company is across Canada in Home Depot, Lowe's, uh, Canadian Tire. We're in Home Depot, United States now. We're hopefully, Knockwood heading into another continent this September. And uh, it's doing really, really, really well. So it's a lot, it's been a lot of hard, hard work. So just because you get to deal with a dragon or a shark doesn't mean that you can sit back and let the money come in, because it's not. It's just you take every opportunity as it comes.
1: Right. So. You know, it's interesting, as you as you talk about the dragons, den, as you may or may not know, we had the opportunity to have another U.S. winner of the shark tank itself in the United States, Dave Alwin on the show, and he was the first individual in the history of the Shark Tank U.S. to uh, not actually get a deal the first time, but actually be asked to come back, and then he struck a deal with billionaire Mark Cuban, and as we were talking, he talked about how difficult it was to actually get on the show. He said something like 50,000 or 60,000 people apply, and then it gets whittled down, and just amazing. So, for what you've been able to do, I mean, number one, congratulations. That's so incredible. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I mean, how did you actually end up striking a deal with Kevin O'Leary, aka Mr. Wonderful, from all the other participants?
0: Well, um, th- remember, there's a one to ten rule here in Canada. So, you know, if you've got fifty thousand people trying to apply for Shark Tank, we, there's about five thousand here in Canada. So, mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit easier to do. And at the time, we were it was the fourth season of Dragon's Den, so it was a very, very popular TV show, but not the notoriety of the Shark Tank down in the states. So, mm-hmm. not to discredit ourselves, because it was still, I think. A surreal feat to have done that um when we were starting out our business my business partner wendy was a longtime friend and she had met a producer of dragon's den at a christmas party she pitched in front of the producers the idea and they went absolutely they going on air in front of the dragons so we got a date time to go in front of the dragons which was a month between knowing that we were going on and actually going on air. Mm. And uh, they, th- during that month, we practiced and we practiced and we practiced. And we also knew that we only wanted to give up 10% of our business at for a maximum of $50,000. So we didn't want to sell more equity than that. We would have totally completely, utterly walked away. We, all we wanted really was publicity from going on Dragon's Den because sure, again, it yeah. would catapult our business. So having that feeling of security, knowing that we are going in with an idea and we know our business plan, we know our financial plan, we know that we wanted to be in the States within five years. And so we, we went in the, in, into Dragon's Den with with uh, a lot of confidence in our product and where we were going and knowing that the Dragons was not the be-all and end-all of making or breaking our business, which I think a lot of people go into that in environment with the with a desperation and we didn't have that desperation at all we thought we're going to do this we're going to do our best and if they say no that's okay it's all right you know what's the worst that could happen well they destroy our reputation but I don't think that was going to happen because we'd really planned for it and planned what we were going to pitch and we really really practiced very very much
1: yeah. And I love, I love that. Again, in talking to Dave from the Shark Tank, he was saying that he practiced and practiced. And the first time when he did not get a deal, their servers literally blew up because he got so much publicity from the show. Even though he didn't win, he goes, that would have been sufficient <laughs> to drive his right. business tenfold. He said, but then, you know, he got asked back and now it, the, the rest is history and all that. One of the things that I actually, I posted on Facebook, what do you want me to ask? And of course, of course, of course, they say, You gotta ask her, what's Mr. Wonderful really like? Of course.
0: Of course. So here you go. Uh, Kevin has been a wonderful support of Digit. Yeah, we are. He's written about us in his book, Cold Hard Truth, as the Mm -hmm. perfect pitch in Dragon's Dens. And that, again, was astronomically helpful to us as a business to show that we had legs as a business to stand on. Uh, He is extremely money driven, obviously. Mm -hmm uh he's not personal he doesn't i don't know if he even knows i have uh, three kids to be honest but that doesn't really matter to my business partner and i we just like the fact that he partnered with us and the the fact that he took an interest in us with the reputation that he has showed the world that we are a viable business so again we kind of use that to what we can
1: and as having kevin o'leary you said he's very money driven (laughs) has that shifted your mindset as a business owner, just being around someone like him?
0: Uh, When we first met Kevin after we taped, we met him at the Four Seasons downtown Toronto for a breakfast, and we were in only boutique stores at the time. We had started off and launched the $12,000 in sales into boutiques because that was just a foot in the door on how to get into the marketplace. And even then at the time, which was, again, 2009, he said, you need to be big box because you need to be, you need to turn over your product much more quickly than you're doing it and we listened to him like we changed our business plan to um to do big box versus the boutique stores and we still have some boutiques but he was completely utterly correct Mm. that the big box is where our product has landed and has done very well and you know from home depot canada home depot us picked us up uh, again with a lot of hard work and about three years later and then a retailer in australia new zealand has fought at us too so So it's a cascade effect. So he was right. Yes. I hate to say it, but he was right. I
1: love it. So not only are you in business with Kevin O'Leary and had all this success and notoriety and the business is just booming, but you're also a regular on the shopping channel, Canada's version of the Home Shopping Network. How did you get on the shopping channel and how has that impacted your business and your brand?
0: Uh, Well, we were on the shopping channel with Kevin actually in 2010 for Digit Handware, which is our flagship product, our first product that we went on air on Dragon's Den with. And Kevin actually went on air with Digit. That he hasn't subsequently done that. We haven't done that again. But then um both Wendy, my business partner and I have had turns on the shopping channel with our product. And the last time I was on air with Diggit on the shopping channel, the buyer asked if I would be able to be a guest and uh, a spokesperson for other products that are on air and I said sure like it'd be wonderful Like I'd be happy to do that so it's a lot of fun it's very very fun so I'd be happy to do that and uh, so that's kind of how that started and that was about a year and a half ago I suppose so it's in- it really is interesting how one thing in life moves to another to another to another because um, never in a million years would I ever thought that I would be a, a guest appearance on Shopping Channel. Like, really, it's not, it wasn't an ambition of mine, but it's a lot of fun. And I help other companies with transitioning onto Shopping Channel, even on the logistics side of it, because there's a whole understanding of how to even get your product on the Shopping Channel. Mm. So I help them with the logistics understanding, and then I guest for them as well.
1: So I'm going to jump right into it and really get into kind of the nitty gritty. You help other businesses position themselves through the shopping channel. What's one maybe success strategy that if a listener right now at Hacker Nation is saying, I have a product and I really want to elevate my business, I want to elevate my product to not compete with everybody else, but really stand apart from my competition. What's maybe one or two things they can do today that literally will separate themselves from their competition, whether it's trying to get on national media or local media or get written up in a publication, anything, Claudia, that can help them separate themselves from their competition.
0: Uh, in general, I think it's un- really, really understanding your features and benefits and your niche in the marketplace. And if you don't have a niche in your marketplace in your in your product or your services, then establish one. Because I think there's, you know, there's a dime a dozen products and services out there. But if you can stand apart from the rest and eloquently communicate that to the marketplace that you stand out in this certain niche and because of these features and benefits, mm. then you you strategically position yourself as a leader in your industry and your product and service. Then you use the media outlets and your network and places like the shopping channel or QVC to showcase that uniqueness. But you can't go on organizations like that until you have established that niche. So people think that, oh, I'm going to have this great um, makeup line and I want to get on the shopping channel, but when I when they come to me and say, Well, I'd like to do that, I say, Well what's unique about your makeup line? What's mm. what's unique? Why would shopping channel take you over any other product that's that's pitching them on the on the shopping channel? So that's very, very important. And then also establishing credibility that in the marketplace there is a desire for your product already.
1: So someone is listening saying, All right, I know my niche. I know what my USP is, I've had some decent success, but you know what, I I, I just feel that maybe no one's going to want to listen to me. I don't know if the local TV station or radio station would really have me on. What would you say to that person?
0: I'd say, just try. Just pick up the phone and actually call a producer and say, this is what I have. This is my niche. This is my product. This is my service. This is who I am. This is my website, because you have to have a very strong website in today's day and age. And try what's the what's the worst that could happen people say no and when they say no you use it as an opportunity to understand what you've done incorrectly and change it so then you pitch it again and you try again and you try again and you try again until people start to say yes and then you figure it out okay there's something that i have now said right that people are listening to and then start to work that angle and understanding that confidence in yourself and your business everybody in today's world, everybody has something that's unique, a feature and benefit on themselves. Mm-hmm. And they, are, they need to not be afraid to voice that uniqueness because everybody's unique with our own unique experiences. So the world wants to hear what you have to offer. So don't feel afraid to say it. And if you hear the word no, everybody hears the word no. Don't be afraid of the word no. Just turn the no into an opportunity to understand what you can do better next time and then just try again.
1: Yeah, the old saying is like you said, you know, you get so many no's, they'll ultimately turn into a yes, but think about the impact that you can have on your product, your service, yourself, your business. If, even if you've got a few no's to get onto even a local radio station or a local TV station, you just don't know. You just got to go for it. If you really want to elevate your business and separate yourself from everybody else, like you said, as long as you know your niche, as long as you know your features and benefits, as long as you know who you are, go for it. What do you got to lose?
0: What do you have to lose? And Absolutely. if you don't, if you don't try, you'll never succeed. You'll never so succeed. So try. You just try.
1: Absolutely. And uh,
0: and you'll you'll learn from the marketplace what the marketplace is saying, and just adapt your features and benefits and your communication to what the marketplace
1: needs. So Claudia, we have a segment on the show. It's the aha or the light bulb moment. So. I want you to share with Hacker Nation a light bulb moment that you just knew. You just felt something was about to explode <laughs> and that your life may never look the same. Do you remember that time?
0: Yes. As a matter of fact, um, we we had gone on Dragon's Den and I guess you could look at us as entrepreneurs at the time, but I come from a very strong corporate background. I had 20 years in the corporate arena prior to starting my own business with my business partner in Dig it. And then... Over the course of Digit, I was asked to speak on stage to companies in their Lunch and Learns and to entrepreneurial conferences, and I was doing it for the sake of uh, public relations for Digit. We had successfully been on Dragon's Den, but I still in my mind considered myself a a corporate person, that Mm. I would always be able to fall back to the corporate world if Digit didn't succeed. And I still had that window in my mind as an escape route, almost. And this is now going about two and a half years after Dragon's Den. So we are a going concern company now. We're doing well. We're in Home Depot. Like everything's going fine. It's just it's really great. But I still again had in my mind that I'm not an entrepreneur. So I, I'm on stage to an entrepreneurs conference. There's about 400 people in the audience and it's the first time I'd really been on stage in such a large large audience before. And they were coming to hear me talk about my entrepreneurial experience, five successful key strategies on creating a successful business and sustainable business. So I, w- I was more nervous going on stage in front of these people because they were true entrepreneurs in my mind than, than me. And I'm on stage And I have this PowerPoint, of course, behind me. And I think I was sweating more on stage than in front of the dragons because it was totally me. And everyone's looking at me and had these 800 eyeballs looking at me. And that was my aha moment. Like, Mm. I have found success as an entrepreneur and people are here to hear what I have to say. And Mm. I loved the hour that I was on stage. It was like, this is what. I'm meant to do it's to help other entrepreneurs and business people find success in themselves
1: you burn the boats as they say now you're full-fledged
0: that's right that's (laughs) right so I think you know if you you start labeling yourself in your own mind as something and then you believe it and then you move yourself forward and do that with success and but the first step is to actually label yourself as that and that goes for our negative labels that we have on ourselves as well because so many people have these negative connotations or feelings you know you've got that little niggly voice saying well you can't do this why would you why would anyone listen to you everybody has those so get get rid of those negative ideas and if you hear them strike them away like say in your own mind be quiet Mm -hmm. i am something i am going to do this and change the negatives to positive, and it's almost a conscious thought to quieten the negative and turn the positive louder.
1: You know, you bring up something that I also teach and I also do in my own life and in my own business, which is, like you said, shut that off, but but a lot of times that's not easy, and especially if we have this negative programming that whether we got that from childhood or from teachers or from parents sure, sure. or whoever so it's not the easiest of things to do but I know that's what's happened in my life is it's a process it's like going to the gym you know you're not going to see results for the first 60 90 days but over time guaranteed you keep doing the right things you'll keep getting better results and it's the Absolutely. same thing with a mindset would you agree
0: Absolutely, 100%. Absolutely. It's like that with everything. Like If you need to lose weight, if you need to get active and more physical, if you need to learn a business, even when you're in a job and you go into a corporate world or a a job that you have to learn, you're not going to learn it the first week. It takes a while to learn that skill set, and that's the same thing with the mindset. Is turning the negative to positive it takes time and every time that you have a win congratulate that win hmm. do something for yourself that's a small little token of congratulations I did it and you don't have to tell the world that you did it you just have to feel good about yourself that you did it and that turns yourself more positive and it becomes an upward spiral versus a downward
1: spiral so yeah. do you want
0: to know what I do when I when I um, have a small successful win in my own mind
1: I would love to hear that
0: I'm, I'm a girly girl so I go out and buy myself a new shade of lipstick <laughs> and that's what I do. <laughs> I know it's very personal, but it's like woohoo. Hey, I that's your accomplishment, a yeah. That's right. <laughs> so yeah. A little next is gonna be one maybe like a Jeep one day or a condo on the beach one right. day. Right now it's a lipstick.
1: I don't wear lipstick, obviously. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm gonna have my, I'm gonna find my own uh, my own win. I like wine, so maybe it's a you know class or nice two. Nice bottle
0: of wine. Exactly. 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 Yeah.
1: We talk on the show a lot about successes and wins and accomplishments, and God knows you've had a ton. But I, I truly believe that a mark of a true winner is when someone actually fails but still keeps pushing forward. Take us back to a time, to an actual event, when you failed, but you actually failed forward.
0: Uh, with Diggit, we were the first year after Dragon's Den. We aired on Dragon's Den in November of two thousand and nine, and we had a big box retailer want our product across Canada in 2010. So we ordered the product in November. The product comes into our warehouse in February. It has to be in store probably about March 20th or so is the timing. So it comes into us in February. And we had outsourced our manufacturing to an outsourcer. Had never saw the factory. We were just trusting in the outsourcer. And I opened the boxes. My warehouse calls me. The boxes are in. Uh, We have 10,000 pairs of gloves come in to meet the demand for the big box retailer. And I open the boxes, and I look at the first layer of gloves, and there's something off and wrong with them. So I look deeper, and the manufacturing of these gloves are not to our standard at all. So at the time, we were approximately about $28, $30 per per pair retail. And I look at the – I open the boxes and and felt like throwing up on the warehouse floor (laughs) because I – looked at about I looked at the top layer and they weren't sellable and looking deeper there was probably about 40 to 45 percent of the gloves were not sellable and I thought oh my god like what are we gonna do because first of all we the money is now gone we've we paid for the manufacturing so before you get your product in the money is already out the door. So we've paid for it. There's no way of getting our money back. Um, This is the first year of being in a national retailer. So, and the first year right after Dragon's Den. So everyone's kind of looking to us and there's a big PR machine moving forward. I and five other people in my warehouse and it's Canada, it's Toronto. It's the middle of February, which is cold. Uh, We are in an unheated warehouse and we go through 10,000 pairs of gloves, take them apart, match gloves that actually fit together. And the ones that we can't fit together are discarded. And we re-tag them and rebox them. And we are about a week away from getting in store, but we managed to make it in store and squeak by that year.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. So we were probably, I'd say, about $1,000 away from closing the doors.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah, and it took about four weeks for the five of us to do that with the space heaters under the, the tables and... Um, well, you know, if, if we got a good tally one day, we were like, "Oh, yay! We got 100 gloves today!" Woo oh um And then the next day, it'd be 110. Yay! So we had this, these little competitions amongst us, um, who could find the best gloves. So, yeah. what did you Facebook. learn in the
1: middle of that chaos?
0: Well, I learned a lot about myself. I'm, I am quite stubborn, I find, <laughs> and uh, I thought I'm not going to let this defeat me because we worked so hard to get to this part, this point in in business and if i can make this work and squeak by then i will and uh, then I also learned that you take control as much as you can in business as you possibly can. So we let that outsourcer go. Wendy and I got on a plane that year. We went overseas ourselves and we sourced our own factories. Hmm. So we took control of our business as much as we can. So I don't, I don't fulfill the product anymore. I was, I used to be in the warehouse and and actually packing gloves myself, you know, to save on costs. But I don't do that anymore. But I know exactly how to do it and I know how to manufacture, and I know where to go now for manufacturing, et cetera.
1: Hacker Nation, I hope you were listening and taking some incredible notes because Claudia just dropped a great golden nugget, which is, listen, we as entrepreneurs, you're gonna have your ups and your downs, but this was the ultimate high for you, Claudia, and then the ultimate low, uh-huh. and you were $1,000 away from closing your business after being on one of the biggest business shows, reality shows, in Canada so again it's just sufficient to say that you know as we as entrepreneurs you're gonna go through your ups and downs it's it's in the downs it's in the valleys that you learn who you're made of and what your real why is and really why you're doing what you're doing to reach the ultimate goal so Hacker Nation if you're going through your valley right now if you're in the middle of it Just realize that keep putting one foot in front of the other, learn from what your mistakes have been, learn from them, and then you'll go back and be able to teach other people down the road, but just keep pursuing it and going after whatever your dreams are, and just realize that's what we do as entrepreneurs. We try, we test, we test, we try, and all those things above.
0: It's very true. And I think also if you, if you get to the point in your life where you're not doing something that you like doing, I do not want to give your listeners the impression that you do this at all costs. Because if you're, if you have a passion and you want to fulfill that passion, then you do whatever it takes mm. to make that passion happen. However, if you really don't have that passion in that, that is okay. Then you change the course of your life and you listen to that inner voice not the negative voice, not the one we were talking about, but the inner voice that I need to do something different. I need to tweak my life differently. And you listen to that inner voice to do that. So always move forward towards your passion and understand where your why, as you call it, where your, where your why is calling you.
1: So Claudia, we are now going to enter the randomness round. It's like putting you on the success hackers version of the hot seat. Oh, Whatever, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever is the first answer that comes to mind, just let it rip. So, Claudia okay. Harvey, are you ready for the randomness round?
0: Okay, here we go.
1: <laughs> Best advice you've ever received? Uh, Put your head down and focus. What's a daily habit that you do sometime throughout the day that puts you in a great frame of mind?
0: I kiss my kids.
1: You now own a time machine, Claudia. I want you to travel back in time to when you were 25 years old again. Uh-huh. What advice would your current self, knowing what you know about life and business, give your 25-year-old self?
0: Network, network, network as much as you possibly can because you never know where that network is going to lead you.
1: What's the one trait that you have that's contributed mostly to your success?
0: My focus and determination and my stubbornness I probably now know about myself.
1: (laughs) What's a hidden talent that you have that most people may not know about you?
0: Uh, I probably like to laugh a lot. In my life. I was very serious. I was a banker, so I was very serious. But in reality, I really enjoy laughing and joking around a lot.
1: Last question of the randomness round, Claudia. When your life is near the end, what do you want your legacy to be?
0: I want my legacy to be my family has been a success, that my children have grown up and their children have grown up with success, and I want. I would like, I don't want, I would like very much for them to be happy in their lives because that is the whole reason I actually started my own company is to have the flexibility to allow me to be more present in my children's lives. And if they are happy and successful, then I know I've done a great job and that is my legacy.
1: Well, Claudia, you are now officially off the randomness round and off the hot seats. Oh, good. <laughs> Well, thank you, Claudia, so much for your time and also sharing these awesome success strategies with Hacker Nation. Where can our listeners find out more about you and your business?
0: Well, I have two websites. The first one is ClaudiaHarvey.com. Very, very simple. It's just my name, ClaudiaHarvey.com. And my company website is DigItHandware.com.
1: Hacker Nation, make sure to head over to successhackers.net for this episode's show notes and recap from today's incredible interview with Claudia, along with some other really cool resources we have on the site. Oh, and don't forget, you can take me and the show in this incredible interviews with you wherever you are at. You can do this by going to successhackers.net, clicking on the iTunes tab, and then clicking subscribe to the show on the actual iTunes page. When you're on the iTunes page, we really love our five-star ratings and reviews, and the reason why is because we want to have as much impact as possible with entrepreneurs just like you from all over the world. So again, when you're on the page, we really love our five-star ratings and our reviews. Thank you for doing that. You can also follow me and the show at ScottHanson1210 on Twitter, at ScottHanson1210. We can send messages back and forth about the show. It is all good. This is Scott Hansen saying thanks again for listening to another episode of Success Hackers. Until the next show, go out and live with passion.